Hello and welcome to our third episode of um, podcast in the area SAP transportation management. Uh, today we have the topic conditions in TM and I'm pleased to have three great colleagues from me here, um, Bernd, Klaus and Emmanuel. And um, perhaps we start just to introduce ourselves. My name is Ulf, I'm working as TM developer in the area forwarding order management. And of course, also we are dealing with conditions. Perhaps we can continue. Not, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps Emmanuel, you can continue. Uh, my name is Emmanuel Grappler. I am working in TM development too as an intern. And uh, in my time, they're already facing several conditions. Uh, my name is uh, Klaus Häupkle. I'm working in the uh, Team 3, uh, planning a network. And of course, we're also working with conditions. Yeah, and my name is Bernd Berditrich. Uh, I'm working also with conditions. I'm kind of the responsible for that. So any complaints, uh, send it to me. Any congratulations as well. And uh, that's why I'm today not the host, but the... Uh, the interviewee, uh, so Perfect. I will <laughs> uh, give my best to explain about conditions today. Cool. So let's start with conditions. Um, conditions make a product pretty very flexible. Um, but let's start with the basic about conditions, Bern. Perhaps you can say some words. What are conditions and why they are needed yeah. in SAP transportation management, for example? Okay, maybe I yeah, first start with some general words and some history going back uh, into the early years of TM. Yeah, so conditions are basically uh, a way to flexibly define some or get some input and uh, apply some rules on that input and then have a result. For example, okay, come to examples later, but one easy thing is I want to define my freight order type and I can have different rules on, on doing that. And rules is something which already sounds like uh, BRF plus business rules framework framework plus, uh, which is uh, the, the SAP tool for making decisions. And basically conditions are our TM interface to BRF plus, which is a rules engine. So basically, BF Plus is the actual engine doing the, 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 the rocket science, and we are the dump uh, users feeding the input and getting the result. Uh, so you need a condition if you have non-defined or potentially different input and having a defined result. I think that's basically what a condition is about. Okay, perfect. I got that. So input, we have some rules and we have mm. some output for that. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you might ask why not using, I mean, it's very similar to, let's say, a uh, customizing table. You also have some input and the result. So that is also something partially uh, possible with uh, um, old school customizing. Uh, but of course, then the input is restricted to what we already thought of and the result as well. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> and at least on the input side, we are now more flexible with the conditions. I think that's the basic idea. Nevertheless, condition is always a plan B. So unlike uh, TM 6070, condition is always optional. So the whole TM can run without conditions. It's only jumps in 
if required. So typically pattern would be I have a default defined in my type, for example, and then I also define a condition if that default is only default and I want to have some rules. Okay, perfect. So perhaps to, to bring this topic a little bit straightforward, perhaps we can start with some examples in the area of forwarding order management where we are already using conditions. Perhaps I start in this area of forwarding order management. So uh, we have uh, we are using, for example, forwarding order types, and of course, which is uh, very important, is to um, determine the sales org of uh, the sales agent. So there are different possibilities, and one is to define a condition to determine the sales org, which Bernd already mentioned, is one fallback strategy which you can use. Of course, there are always other possibilities to determine the sales org. The other possibility, the other area where we're using conditions is in the um, area order integration. So if um, some, some orders are coming over um, A to A in our system, then the type, the uh, so-called uh, OTR type or DTR type needs to be determined. This can also be done by conditions. And one more example is the uh, freight unit building rule. There you have also the possibility to determine this by conditions. Are there any other examples, perhaps, Emmanuel, do you know uh, any examples in your guess, area? Uh, example a lot of people are pretty familiar with is the determination of the freight unit building rule. Uh, our regular <laughs> listeners are already familiar with this term, as we talked about in our first episode. So usually... Uh, the pretty standard is that you determine your freight unit basing, uh, freight unit building rule based on your, for example, um, requirement type if you have a shipper scenario. But uh, there are several other uh, options you can use for it based on your item or exactly like you, you would have. have different rules for bulk versus products or pallets or with or without dangerous goods, etc. I think yeah, that is right. uh, one one area here. I think maybe you already, that was a nice uh, starting point. So you already see if a document comes in, let's say via EDI coming from, or maybe from ERP, right. for example. So it starts with the OTR type, which is a document type for the very first um, document in, in TM, yeah? the starting point. Then uh, the sales org uh, could be determined based on a condition. Then the next step, all done in background would be freight unit building. Absolutely. Then as we, we find the freight unit building rule on the item within the freight unit building rule, then it continues with incompatibilities, special uh, areas. Maybe Klaus might add something on that one. So, so in the incompatibilities, yeah, you can define uh, uh, incompatibilities between different uh, business documents. Uh, for example, in planning, you can define that two different uh, freight units um, with a certain characteristics, for example, uh, a freight unit with a, with Android uh, iPhone, uh, uh, Android smartphones uh, must be must not be on the same truck as um, as a freight unit with uh, iPods. So it's not a realistic example, but uh, so you can imagine what how you can use these mm -hmm. um, incompatibilities, and in, in the incompatibilities, also the conditions are used. And maybe our example in the freight unit building already, we would have like incompatibilities. And then you could also say, okay, I don't want to have 
die iPhones und die Androids und die Windows-Phones, uh, ah, okay, das ist meine Malleinheit, maybe, <lacht> um, in, in the same freight unit, even. Uh, so then you would say, okay, and that's a simplified uh, type of condition. We come to that later, so you don't have to use the full mass of that. And then you have a freight unit, and a freight unit type is determined again. And that freight unit type also defines um, the pickup delivery time window. So what is my tolerance for uh, delivering in time or a bit late or too early? Uh, and that's, again, a condition. So I think enough for examples, yeah, because right. you have different types of input, for example, in the um, in the OTR type determination, document type determination, you would have more or less the TRQ technically as the input, so the root information. Then for the freight unit building rule, you're already on the item level because you define the freight unit building rule per item, so the condition must be somehow linked to the item. Then we come to the um, freight unit um, type itself. That is then again the freight unit root, which is the input, and the result is again different. This time it's a freight unit type. And then for the pickup delivery rules, so that tolerance windows for delivery, then the output is even times or dura actually durations and some rules. So the I think you already can see from that. So the input is kind of depending on the scenario and the output and how it, all that comes together. I can already say with the type uh, um, is something we come um, okay. to later. Perfect. So. So now I got what a condition is, is uh, what are the basics and input rules and output. We know, we heard a lot of examples right now that's heavily used in TM that it can also cope with a lot of different inputs. Mm -hmm. But Bernd, um, what is now the thing which we deliver to the customer and how now a customer can adapt this condition to, the, to his needs? So what we do, do we deliver? And what needs the customer to do to... Yeah. Basically, um, we learned our lessons. So in 6.0, 7.0, we also delivered conditions with hard-coded names. And 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 also, you needed uh, conditions uh, um, mandatorily. So and that was always a kind of complicated how to maintain it in by a customer, deliver condition, what can you change, what not, etc. So we changed that. Now with 8.0 and all the way through eternity, uh, we only deliver freight, uh, condition types. But a condition type is some, that's something we come to later. But basically, the condition type um, is what we deliver, and that more or less defines the usage area. So uh, we deliver a condition type for OTR, and we deliver OTR type determination, um, and we deliver a call for that, uh, so in the coding, we would consider that condition. That is what we deliver, basically, the condition type. We do not deliver a condition, unlike 6.0, lessons learned. So previously, we have delivered also the condition itself to the customer, which we are not doing anymore, right? Exactly. So condition type is delivered, condition anyway, always optional, and what is defined in condition type is something we come to later. By the way, some historical uh, remarks. Uh, um, even earlier, where the conditions came from, um, that that was in the TPVS days, that was the origin of the uh, conditions. It was only used for incompatibilities, and at that point in time, it was only uh, possible to um, to extract uh, data from from a freight unit, so that you kind of flexibly could say, okay, if the freight unit or whatever 
the freight unit in TPVS was. That was that's another story. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to, for so example, the product or product group or something as an incompatibility input. And that was what the origin of condition actually were. And then in TM60, um, even though we made the mistake to deliver conditions, but still uh, we at least resort that. And then we kind of came in contact with the BF plus colleagues and said, okay, it's not only that we can take the raw data from the uh, document itself, but we, that we can also use this rules framework, which is already there. It was called FDT at the time. So maybe sometimes if you look into our condition B also, you will see some FDT namings that is formula and derivation tool which is just an outdated name for BF+. So, you know, on and off, you have to rebrand your things, and they did. And so that is the same thing uh, for us. And that is um, where we actually um, came from. So maybe that's the kind of uh, not directly answering the uh, question what we deliver, but that changed um, over time. That's why I want to take that excursion now to okay. uh, looking back into the good old days. Okay, 6.0, not so good maybe, but uh, still old days then. Okay, so we have the condition types, but what needs the customer to do then? If we if he has a system and there the condition types are available and also yeah. the data exists, definitions, definitions yeah, you the, can say yeah, some yeah. more. Maybe, maybe first let's start with the, what is a condition type, what is defined okay. there, and then how to use it, how to adapt that, and how does it uh, link together. So basically the, 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 um, the condition type kind of defines the usage area. Yeah, so... Let's take our example of um, freight unit building. Yeah? So for the freight unit building rule determination, yeah. so yeah, freight unit building already have some condition usages, so let's take the freight unit building rule determination. As we said before, freight unit building rule is determined per forwarding order, also technically TRQ item. So the first thing, which is defined in that freight unit building rule determination condition type, is the starting point. And the starting point here is the TRQ item. That is where the condition is called from. Since you don't know that, we deliver that condition because we know that. We deliver that condition type. So that's the first thing. Where does my condition start? Because you can imagine that pickup delivery time window has a completely different starting point, not the TRQ item. The freight order type determination has another starting point, etc. Et so that is uh, basically the first thing you define. That is uh, relevant for us. What's also relevant for us is what is the result of that condition. The result of that freight unit building rule determination condition is a freight unit building rule and not a TRQ type. Versus the result of the freight order um, type determination is a freight order type. So, huh? and that is the next thing that you define. The re this, that's a bit technical then also, but what is the result data element? So for the techies of you, uh, of that structure. For example, freight unit building rule is the data element would be a freight unit building rule. For that pickup delivery time windows, if you ever enjoyed looking at that, that's a structure that has some elements. Uh, so it's the, the um, delay, or what is it, or the offset, early offset, late offset, do I do rounding or not, acceptables. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a set of results. It's a yeah, like four, four, four or five fields. In six, or it was even like, felt like 15 fields or so. We streamlined that a bit, but still it is a structure at this field. And uh, yeah, for 
from my friend Felipe, and uh, <laughs> we also introduced tables as a result. So uh, maybe come to that later. So you can even have a table type uh, as um, as a result of a condition. That's a bit that for the big boys, and then not nothing we use in standard conditions. But if we come for how could I use conditions in my custom developments, I, I may come back to that. But basically, it's really fine. Is it only data element? Easiest for building rule. Is it a structure? So multiple fields like pick up delivery time windows that rule sets because rule has different elements, or is it even a table for like to, like in your C coding? I don't go uh, for the details. If we use a structure as a result, is it mandatory to uh, declare all of these fields to have a result for all of these fields, or is it possible? Yeah, uh, after applying a node that I forget that I released in the next last couple of days, uh, we even keep that uh, mandatoriness in BF+. So, yeah, maybe let's remember that coming back to that interaction BF+, what is mandatory, what not, um, in a bit later, uh, maybe. So, in in the condition type, as I said, you define a structure. And I think for, because I when I developed that, I was new. So uh, then that's why I needed at that time a, a flag which said, uh, is it a structure or not? So meanwhile, you don't really need it anymore. I read the data element and find out if it's a structure or not, but we haven't uh, removed it yet. So basically, yeah, talking today, today is uh, 9.0. We are talking currently 9.0 is uh, in the market. So it's February 2013, 9.0 is in the market. We are aggressively developing uh, 9.1. So that is, <laughs> if you hear it in like five years from now, things might have changed a bit um, or improved. Um, but that, that's where we are currently today. And we come, maybe we come to that back later. It's not even on our list. That's a good point. Uh, so mandatory fields, how that is handled. Yeah. Okay, so we have the condition types. We have the kind of type for the input and types of the result of the condition, which is then the data access definition. Or that is the next thing. Yeah. So we have uh, the the condition, as I said, the condition type itself. Right. Defines um, what is my starting point. Absolutely. Bo node and bo itself, and the output the result. That's that's already. Basically, it for the condition type. Next thing is, of course, uh, what is uh, a meaningful input for that? Like for freight unit building rule determination, coming back to that example, for example, the we said product or product trade group or material group or loading group, uh, all that kind of uh, fields might be relevant or item category or maybe even the freight, the TRQ type, OTR type uh, might be relevant. So that is. Um, the input uh, that, that I could use versus for freight order, for example, for the type determination, uh, you might uh, consider the weight, the total weight of the freight order. So LTL, FTL decision kind of thing could be uh, something that you need as input for that kind. And that is where the data access definition, uh, yeah, a bit of a technical name, but uh, okay, we are techie. So um, data access definition, uh, which defines the input. Basically, the data access definition is a wrapper about or about a wrapper to get the input for the condition. And let's say in the first place, you would say, okay, I have a data access definition that returns me 
the total weight. I have a data access definition that returns me the TRQ type. We have a data access definition that returns me the material group. And now that data access definition that could make sense like the weight could make sense for both for the freight unit type determination and for the, um, say, um, loading, unloading durations or so, something like that. And that's why the data access definition uh, is its own instance. So uh, the data access definition is defined um, basically independently and then assigned to a condition to one or multiple condition types. So you can reuse it. Uh, yeah, the maintenance is a bit ugly, I have to admit, but uh, still it works. So uh, you, you'd say, okay, that weight, the total weight of the document is something I want to use for the freight unit, freight order type uh, determination, and for the uh, pickup delivery time window. Yeah, so that is the data access definition from a high level. What we also try to do to keep it on high level is to deliver some of that data access um, definitions with our customizing. Yeah? So that is already there and assign it to the types where we think uh, it can be useful. And then when you assign, you can even define if it's a default data access definition or not. And that, what does that mean? If you now create a condition, with that type. So the customer who creates then the Yeah, yeah okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, you on the phone <laughs> or listening to us, if you now create a condition with that type, uh, the system looks up the default data access definitions for that condition type and automatically creates the columns for that. So if you just start the condition type, it already looks like a, a customizing table in a way. Nicer version of it, maybe. Okay, that's a question of taste, but I would say a nicer version of a customizing table. It's already there. And only if you want to add other data access definitions, you would go to the details of that. But we come to the condition maintenance itself later. Okay, so. but the, this uh, data access definitions you need also for, for the input, but also for the result, right? No. Nope. The data access definition really defines the input for the condition. Okay. That is what is available as information mm -hmm. for BF Plus, basically, finally. then. Huh? So that is really data access is the input. And now... Maybe we can deep dive a bit, rather, because that is the only interesting thing we have in the conditions uh, on our side. Uh, uh. So one more question. <laughs> yeah. I've heard a lot of mm -hmm. things where you where you mention now fields from different areas. So from items, from a header, also perhaps some relations from forwarding order, perhaps to a freight unit mm -hmm. or freight booking freight order. So how then, if you how then this data are related to is there some technique to to jump from this field from this bo node to the other nodes and to collect the data or or yeah yeah there is there's no magic it's just coding and maybe let's deep dive into that one so the data access definition basically there are three ways of um, or three alternative ways of defining a data access definition one, the, let's say the basic one, is just to define the BO node where you want to read from. Mm -hmm. let's, let's take our TRQ item example. So okay. we, we want to make the um, freight unit building rule based on the item type. Huh? Mm -hmm. Simple enough. So that item type is defined in the TRQ item. So in our data access definition, we say, okay, on the BO that we want to read from is TRQ. 
denote as item and the actual field is the item type. So that's very basic. What you even can say is I want to read take some data from the root node. So I'm on the item level now, right? I determine the freight unit building root per item, but still I want to need read something from the root. I have my Z field, Z or Z, depending on where you are, UK or US. So <laughs> I have a custom field uh, in the in the root and I want to use it as well. So what I then could also say is I have the BO still TRQ. The node is now root instead of item. And the field is my Z Ulf field. Yeah, so um, that is the easiest straightforward way. Okay. The system is smart enough to know how to get from the item to the root node, because that is straightforward. Second um, option is to make that a bit more sophisticated. And that is where the data crawler comes into play. Because I already said, I'm, I'm starting in the TRQ item. The system is smart enough to go to the root node. But the system would not be smart enough, for example, to go to, um, to the, let's say, we have a location reference in that item, and that location has a country, and that country uh, or has, a, has a, let's say, yeah, country. Yeah? So that is a, something which is not available. There's no field country in in the TRQ item, at least no field I'm aware of. So pretty sure there is no field country in it. Can you confirm that? Well, yeah, right, absolutely, okay. that's all. And now we have to tell the system how to get that information, basically. And that is the data crawler. So the data crawler also starts with a entry node. And that, is, that must be the same as our BO entry node. In our example, TRQ item. From the item, I want to navigate to the BO location. And from there, to the country, which is in, in the node geographical information or something like that. So that is something you and I know, but system doesn't know. What do we need to do is now to define the steps. How do I get from the TRQ to the country? And basically, in our example, it would be two steps. I might be now a bit, I'm not sure if I know we'll have the right association names, but I think the principle is clear. The first thing is I navigate from the item following an association, there's a search for that then, to the BO location. It's a separate BO, it's a separate business document with more information about the location, because in the item I only have the key of that location, and maybe the idea, but ID, but not the complete address because there's no point in copying the data over and over again. One point address, different topic. <laughs> Still would work for them. So you first go to the BO location following the so-called cross BO association. You don't have to know that. You only have to know that you navigate from the TRQ item with the association to the BO location. Name will be something like BO lock root or something, the association name. And from there, the second step, because in the root you don't have the address, because somebody decided that, is a, that this information is in the address details node. So in the second step, and that is also something called step in the data access in the data crawler, in the second step I navigate from that biolocation root to the um, biolocation address details. And there I have my country. So I have two steps and I need some logic to define that steps. And that Two steps, those steps are defined in that data crawler profile. 
By the way, data crawl is also defined in other, it's also used in other areas, like authority checks. Um, but that is our use case of that. So you define step by step how to get there. A very good way to uh, prove your assumptions that you choose the right path is to use a BO test tool, transactions slash BOBF in our case, slash test underscore UI. Then you go to that same node, so you, you enter TRQ item node. From there, you follow the association that you selected in your data crawler profile to the BO root. First step, and then next step to the second. Uh, so the second association to the node. Uh, you already feel now, we have now the data crawler, you define the target node. And now, but because we have multiple steps, what we have to define in data access definition is the data crawler profile that you want to use and the step, because you could even have more steps, or you could say, okay, I want to use that same data crawler profile and I want to use some data from the root and some uh, from the country or from the geography information node. And to be efficient, we only go that path once then. So you can use, uh, for example, then the, what would be on the root, the location type, the location type from the root node. So that would be step 10, our first step. And from step 20 of that same profile, which is then on the address detail level, I would use a country in our example. So that's the second option. So that sounds easy. So, so the data crawler, you don't need to program there anything. You can exactly. The, the trick is you don't have to program. You have to know or to which path you have to exactly the path to follow. But there's zero lines of code. But is there also a way to so? For example, there is also the option to define association parameters, if I got it right in BO. So is this also possible to... Ooh, to parameters. I have or to check that. I, I think it's... No, I think you cannot define association parameters in that data crawler profile. Maybe it would be a change request to Dirk. But uh, so far, it's really the pure association. But typically, so far, the associations are already there. Or you can define your own association as an enhancement. Yeah, but you cannot define association parameters uh, to follow that association. So some steps you can perhaps also then program then in this data crawler too. I think within the data crawler profile, if you program some steps there, I would be very impressed, uh, okay. so to say. So really, if you use the data crawler, you should use it completely. The sec third option, right. now, uh, we started, first option to remember was you just define node BO, the node and the field. Yep. Second was data crawler, okay. the step, which is equivalent to the node, and the field again. Mm -hmm. And the third one is now to code. So if you have very special ways to determine, or you don't even have a BO. Very nice example is your charges. If you do charge calculations, there is no BO instance, really. Yeah? In, in charges, there is some data uh, provided by the communication structure. There is no route. You cannot crawl through that. Okay, there are some tricks uh, to do that, but that is more for the charges chapter then. Uh, but structurally, there's only data available, and they have a class mm -hmm. that they use to extract it from their data following their con some conventions. So basically, maybe as a hint, if you use conditions in the charges area, normally you have to have the class, uh, what's the name? They have their own class uh, for that. I think that's also described somewhere in, in the charges area. And I will extract the data. Another example is a username. Current username is nothing available in a in a BO node. Yeah, there's a last saved user, there's a creation user, but there's not the current user for system time. Huh? So if you want to say, okay, if a certain user does something, 
it's different from another user. So if Ulf uh, is uh, doing that freight unit building, he will get his a different type from from my or Klaus. Yeah? Then there's this, there's nothing what you could use where you could use a crawler profile. There you also have to define a class for that. That username, I think it's SCMTMS uname, as a delivered uh, data access definition already, and there's a class behind. That classes uh, have a defined interface. So basically, mm. what you get is the the node instances. In our example, the TRQ instances, TRQ item instances. Sorry, and then you do what you do. So you can also, of course, do a retrieve by association, but you can also just take the username, pass it or assign it to all the keys that are. Uh, and I think it's easy to, to look at some of the examples, like this CU name that access definition has a class uh, behind that can easily work as an example to see what you have to do to feed data back. That is a third option. And with that, it's just like a body. Now you can implement uh, a class following that Tor IF cont. No, it's SCM, TMS, IF, cont, extra, like extractor or something. Okay. Um, and uh, with that, you can code your own uh, input. Yeah, that's, and we are in data access definitions. So that is input for the actual magic, which comes later. Okay. Well, maybe one more question about the data crawler. You explained the usability if you move between different BOs, hmm. but Maybe for some people who already had a look at conditions, there already exists some data access definitions where you use the data crawler within one BO. Hmm, yeah. Can you say that there is also a beneficial Exactly. Situation? So yeah, that's a very good point. It's not only to navigate to another BO, but you might also want to look at the first stop. So the thread order type depends on the location ID of the first stop. Okay, that's now also looking into the Tor business object model, but basically every location or every stop, the uh, where your say freight order is uh, going through, it's a stop in the first place. In our place, so there's no root first location or something. A stop is a stop, so you have location or geo information and time. Basically, that is what is defined in a stop. That will be another episode then. But so all of them are the same basically. But of course, there is a first stop, at least if you have a linear. Uh, freight order, and you have a last stop, and you have intermediate stops. And now if you want to read the first location, it's different from reading the last location. And as I said, the straightforward definition is just the node stop and the field location. So now which one? Yeah? So And here mm. that uh, data crawler also comes into play, that you use the association from the root, now maybe take the example of the freight order type determination, from the root to the first stop. And that is a special association called first stop, no, stop first, in, in that case, to make it close to stop last. So that is also a, a use case where you want to use, where you could use the actual um, association. There's also another, I forgot to mention about that one. There's one more thing that you also can define without a data core, and that is the so-called filter attributes. We already said you can, let's take our... And let's take that stop example. Yeah? So you want to read the first stop of a freight order. As already mentioned, you can do that with a data crawler. In that very specific example, there would be an alternative way. You could also just define the BO, Tor, the node, stop, and then the field that you want to extract, which is the um, location ID, lo logistical log ID, 
field and then define one or two filter attributes. So you could say the attribute, I only want to look at certain stops. So I would have, let's say in a thread order, it goes from A to B only, you would have two stops, one outbound stop, one inbound stop. The outbound stop would also, in our example, be the first stop, which is a field stop first indicator or something like that, stop sequence indicator, something like that. Um, and the same for, for the last stop. Same field, but different value then. Now what you could say is, I only want to look at the first stop and that filter attribute for that node. You would now say, okay, take that field stop sequence and the value I'm interested mm. in is first. It's a bit less efficient because uh, the data crawler first has to read all the data mm. and then we would exclude that uh, subsequently, but you don't would, you don't need to define the actual uh, association then in a data crawler profile. So for cases where you don't have that specific association or you're too lazy to create one or a data crawler profile or you just want to test drive things, you can also use that filter attribute. There are two of them that goes a bit back to TM6 or where we had a lot of types and roles and everything. So um, that you, so for example, you could say, I only want to look at outbound stops as a first filter attribute, stop category, value outbound, and then first kind of duplicate information, but that kind of, or only a product items, uh, and then uh, the item type would be something else. So two filter attributes that you can define, like key value kind of thing. So that is uh, another option. And by the way, okay, we come to creation of the, uh, okay, all that, data access definition. Right. It's all just a, as all customizing, is a copy master. So that is then copied, when you create the actual condition, it is copied in the into the condition and you can change it there. Yeah, so you can say, okay, I take that as an example and then I change and take a different field, for example. Instead of the location ID, I take the location U and low code, for example. This can do the customer. Then. You can do that in within the condition. Also. Okay. Yeah, so you, you take the data access definition, it copies its value into the condition and data access definition in the condition, then you mm -hmm. can change it there. Mm -hmm. Recommendation is clearly, you do that for test purposes, but if you want to keep it, if you want to use that data access definition, you do that same thing in customizing, you transport it through, and then you have a, a clear setup. But for testing purposes, if you want to play around, you can also change it in the document, uh, in the condition itself. So as usual, that customizing is just a copy master. Okay, but coming back to the, to the customer, so we mm -hmm. have a lot of information right now about condition types, mm -hmm. uh, data access definitions, and what kind of opportunities we have there. So what need, So what is the customer right now How doing? will the customer use it? Okay, yeah. let's take our example of the right to the building rule. Is it already boring now? Still still working, huh, the example? Still the best. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ah, this is ah, one of the best. And we can plug to the first episode of uh, sure. uh, that podcast, of course. Yeah. So in that, let's say we already talked about what we want to do there, right? We want to take the, the item type and based on that, find a freight unit building. Absolutely. Okay. So what do you need to do? First, you have to create that condition. Yes. Yeah, so you go into the condition maintenance screen somewhere, admin data, general condition, create it. Select the condition type. Yep. Condition type defines that we are talking about the freight unit building rule determination. We already know the input. Etc. Etc. It's already boring. Everybody knows that already now after listening, right? 
So what you also define there is, of course, a name. Um, you can choose the name freely because there is no namespace for conditions because we don't leave deliver conditions. Different for condition types, but come to that later. So now um, you enter uh, the condition name and second, maybe jumping ahead a bit, the what is it, condition origin or something. The so condition origin, you can basically um, define the work mode of the condition. Okay, that's not very explicit. Uh, okay, what does it mean? So basically there are three values there. That's one is I just want to extract the data. So the data access definition mm -hmm. returns information. I just pass that result already back as a result of the condition. When would I use that? Incompatibilities. We come maybe back to that later, right? So I just want to say I don't want to mix different material groups. Then the result of the condition would just be the material group. Okay. Second is a BF plus um, decision table based condition. And that is uh, the standard also. So you take the input. Okay. And then you have a so-called decision table. Last one, that's for the big girls and boys, uh, is so-called freestyle or a BF plus function based uh, condition or so. In that case, we basically just interface to BF plus and you define every, more or less everything except for the input and the output because that is something, the input is something we have to provide, at least normally. If you're very big, you can also get your own input, but um, let's say the input and the output, but everything in the middle is defined in BF plus. For example, Emmanuel set up a nice example with a formula. So you say the loading, what was it? Loading duration, right? Yeah. That would be there's a formula. Maybe you can jump into that later. So that if you if you don't want to use a decision table, but something more sophisticated, and there's a lot of sophistication in BF plus, um, then you go for that third option. Yeah, that is a three option. So let's say decision table. That's our straightforward case here. No? Because we jump to that different option in BF plus a bit later. And uh, I can already yeah, okay, I won't promise it, but there will be one episode also with Carsten Ziegler the architect of um, BF plus okay. about BF plus itself as such and and how we use it of course so the next thing is we already decided now it's a decision table based condition we have a name and a type that's it right so then press enter or u or something create then we go into the decision table view or into the condition actually as already mentioned before, we said for the freight unit building rule determination, there might be the item type as a default data access definition for that condition type. So when we now go in, we see the uh, a table, decision table, with the one input column, which is the item type. That comes from the data access definition defined as default to the um, condition type. Now that's the input left-hand side, and the result, which is yeah. a right unit building rule, obviously. So now if you would add, like to add something, we said should be user-specific, and that's not very standard, then you could press a button on the top right, I think, data access definitions, and then you could go there, and then you could add or even remove um, the different data access definitions with, and also define the column sequence, but the columns, that doesn't matter at all in BF+. The rows are important. Come back to that later. 
Then you, and you, you enter your values there. So we said now it's dependent on the item type and the username, right? So now you say, okay, if it's item type 01 and username Ulf, then freight unit building rule is freight unit building one. If it's Klaus and the same type, then it's another freight unit building rule and so on. And maybe at the very end, you define a fallback. So if you can also leave input empty. Unless it's defined as mandatory, but we come back to that later. Um, so, and, and that's also maybe mentioned here. If you have a decision table, it's always, always, always read top down. So the first hit in that decision table going top down is the result of that condition. There's no other the columns, doesn't matter at all. So the sequence of columns, it goes top down and the first hit in a decision table is the result. Okay. Got it. Straightforward cases. Yeah. So that is what you, and then now you would go up and then maybe you could also up and download from Excel, uh, the results and all that kind of thing, uh, things and can even simulate from there. Um, but basically that is what you do. So you define, you select from the available input. You might also define your own input in the data access definition. Then you actually maintain the values. That's basic idea that you as a customer or even And that is not even, I think, consulting work, but that's more power user work that you maintain the rules. Yeah, so decision table rules. Can you create only one condition per condition type? Or can you create yeah. multiple conditions per one condition type? Or That depends. Uh, that's an SAP answer, right? Like always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's different. Typically, you can define as many as you like. And it's also not a matter of space or something. Why do we restrict it sometimes? We already mentioned that normally you would assign the condition. I mean, that condition name, of course, must be assigned somewhere. Yeah. In our example, we assigned this freight building rule determination condition, yeah, the name of that condition, in a type. Assigning to type, transporting, we come to that later then. Yeah. So in the freight unit, uh, in the forwarding order, I think root or is it item type? I don't know. I think in the root, you define the the condition that should be used to find the freight unit building rule. There, I have a place where I can store it. So I can maintain as many as I want and I can assign them or just maintain them just for fun. Yeah? Other cases where I don't have a place where I can give the name of the condition to be used. Example, OTR type determination. So the OTR comes in from ERP out of the blue. And the first thing is you have to determine a type. So you don't, you have no nothing at that point in time. And that's why for that, we have the so-called singleton condition. That is also something defined in the condition type. Okay. In the condition type, you say, this condition type must only occur once per system. And that is if you don't have a place where we can maintain that condition. Huh? So in our example, there is no place where I could define, this is a condition that I should use uh, for sales order type something, because that would be something that we need to maintain in ERP. And uh, so we don't have that. So document comes in and the system just allows you to create one condition, but on the same uh, same side is that you can easily search for that condition type and you will have exactly one result. And if not, you take the first one. And with that condition, you can then do the actual processing. Okay. Yeah, Perfect. so that is uh, why we sometimes restrict it to one because there's no place to maintain that. Great. That condition ID, no, not the condition type, the ID. 
Okay, so now we, we know what are conditions, we know in which areas in TM we are using conditions, we also know them from the technical point of view what conditions are, what we deliver as SAP, what you as a customer, how you can use conditions. And we have heard that the input is for conditions are a lot of master data or customizing. But so one question which came up to me is how, how do we transport then conditions um, from development system to test quality assurance system or product, uh, product uh, system? Perhaps Klaus, do you know, can you say some words on this one? Yeah, so as you already mentioned, uh, conditions are master data and customizing at the same time. So uh, it's possible to, to uh, maintain the condition in the customizing system and to transport it into the uh, productive system. And it's also possible to maintain the condition and the BF plus decision con uh, uh, table content in the productive system. So there are two different places where you can maintain the settings uh, what's possible uh, in the transaction SSC4. Uh, it's a generic uh, um, transaction for the settings uh, uh, for the, all customizing objects. You can maintain uh, if every every change to the condition shall be recorded to a transport request. And later on, you can transport these changes to the productive system. Uh, but I think in SCC4, you generally define if transporting is on and off. I think there's, we didn't make it so far that you have a special condition settings in SCC4, right? It's more generally to it's activate a, or deactivate. It's very general for all Excellent. customizing mm. objects. Mm. But okay. still, the condition is different and it shall not, shall not behave the same in the productive system. Mm. And it does not, uh, for example, read uh, if it's changeable from the SCC4. Because there's also setting to specify if customizing is changeable in a certain system. Uh, but this is not part of uh, this transaction. It's part of the authorization object. There you can maintain if a custom uh, condition uh, is maintainable. And you can also maintain uh, if it's if the user is allowed to transport the condition. Because you have to keep in mind, uh, we don't have any intelligent logic to, to uh, for example, if you have already have made changes to the content in the, of the BF plus decision table in the productive system. And later on, somebody wants to transport this condition again to the productive system. In this case, all changes are overwritten. It's just taken from the customizing system. Exactly. And, yes. and you have to keep that in mind and maintain the author authorization. Maybe something that takes a bit of burn away from that is that we have versions also in BF plus. So, uh, and then we also activate in the condition context, we activate that versioning. But I think all that is something for a deep dive uh, about BF plus itself. But still, as Klaus said, right? So, if you can maintain it in production environment with a special authorization, because that has quite some impact, of course, if you find the wrong rules or in, char in charge calculation, there are also conditions um, in place. So, you can have effects with that, of course. I mean, that's what it's for. But still, you don't have an option because you don't have all the master data in your mm. customizing system usually. Mm. And therefore, you depend for most of the conditions also from that master data. And uh, you have to maintain the conditions. In, yeah, I think that's also in this case. the question also comes on and off. Uh, to, I mean, one thing is also that you can, for emergency case, that you can 
corrected in the production environment because the transporting can take up to days. I, as, at least for my consulting days, I know sometimes the transport from queue or from dev or queue to all the way through to production can be days. And if you if your charge is going the wrong way, days can be very, very long. So I think that is one point here. And another important or another impact of that is that that is also why we wouldn't check for the values that you maintain in the decision table. Sometimes the question is, ah, I, I don't have that location here. Why do I get an error uh, um, if I maintain in the decision table that for location A, um, I want to have the result X? And that is because you might transport that condition in the production and there you would have A. Yeah. So that's why uh, it's not that trivial that we can simply say, okay, oh, we, we don't have that. Why you don't save it? Yeah. So just as a background information. But yeah, as Klaus said, there are implications on that. If you then transport again, then object is overwritten. Is this a general flag to stop the transportation to the uh, productive system, or can you do it per condition, or how, how is this working in detail? Sorry. Um, currently, it's uh, possible to do a general authorization object. And I'm actually not sure if also the condition type is part of. Yeah, I think the, the authorization uh, object has a condition type, and the activity I think is uh, then the maintain and production environment. Okay. So I think there's not much more in, <laughs> in that authorization object besides the type and the ID. I think, um, yeah. So it should be possible to only allow it for charges or not allow it for charges. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you have to maintain the condition type and the authorization object, and then it's possible to, to restrict that it's not it's not uh, transportable. Okay, perfect. Sounds great. Yeah. Maybe coming to that, we have plus settings uh, or the setting there. Um, now, it, it, maybe coming back to uh, Emmanuel's point from the beginning about the mandatoriness. Is that a word in English? Yeah. So if a field is mandatory or not. Okay. Uh, specifically for, for input. So up to 9.0 at least, that might change in the future. Hint, hint. Um, you have uh, no option to define in the condition itself as a, if it's a certain data access definition. Input is mandatory or not. Yeah? But you can go into BF plus, transaction is BF plus. Um, and then, yeah, so as we said, so what, what is behind our, I don't know, well, didn't mention that too much. Yeah, maybe now, now let's go a bit technical now. So when you create that condition and, re and create that transport entry also, and then we already talked about the implication of the transport, and all that is because behind our simple small condition, there's a powerful BF plus application. And BF plus, so it's one to one. One condition is one BF plus application. The other, Ways of using BF plus applications, but I'd say that's our way. Okay. In, in that BF plus application, you have a so-called function. The function is what we call it's kind of an outer layer, like the function module, maybe a, a bit, so that you can consume. Yeah? And within that function, you have a expression, an easy way. And our decision table is, for example, an expression. So now, if you follow that path in that BF plus Transaction, you go transaction BF plus, you navigate, you see my objects, I think that's also the default, then you would see your condition that you created. You can navigate to the decision table, which is a expression in, in, in BF plus terms. Okay. And there, um, more details than what we show normally. We want to simplify it a bit. And um, 
in that decision table, for example, in the column settings, you can say a certain column is mandatory. And up to, I think, what was it, like three weeks ago, I destroyed that. When you saved, I destroyed that setting, but that has been fixed now with, you know, maybe you can attach that node number later. But if you search for mandatory and condition and column, then it should be um, easy to find it. So we would keep that. So you could say a certain input, data uh, extension or output column is mandatory. So then you could not leave that blank. So say the user always need to be maintained mm -hmm. in our example, then you would say it's mandatory, but I could leave the item type okay. um, empty or not. That's my option. So that is something that you can do in BF Plus. You also have that simulates, I mean, we also show that uh, simulate stuff uh, in, in our site. Maybe we can also go to that. So basically, uh, simulation is a very powerful tool in BF Plus because it's also with all traces and you see the different steps. So in our example, you have now defined item type and then user. Now you want to test that. You can press the simulate button and then give manually the input. So your username or different username or no username and then um, get the result what BF Plus returns. That's also for troubleshooting. Come to that later. That's a good starting point. Is uh, As I said, it's always top down. And so that's an easy way to simulate. Uh, that is, by the way, on the function level, technically. Because if we call it function, then also that simulation is on the function level. So that is uh, the simulation uh, part that you can do in BF+. Anything else? And maybe we can also, now talking BF+, maybe we can just mention the other uh, expression types. So decision table, that's uh, basically, as I said, you go down a table, all the input, first hit is the result. The Ah, okay. First hit, is, that's also again standard. The first hit is the result. That's also one setting in BF+, plus. Uh, return all hits. Yeah? That returns really not only the first hit, but all hits. Let's say um, it is the item type and user, and then let's say you leave the user blank and you have some item type, so you could have also multiple values that are valid, which you hit. Now, standard, as I said, first hit, return result. Right. Now, for your own enhancements, you might also say, I want to get all hits and then store that in a table or so. We don't have a standard use case for it, but it's possible. Then there's a setting in the, I think, decision table, uh, return all hits or something okay. like that. Yeah, so that's more for the enhancement um, you will, will do. Come to that a bit later. And um, that is the decision table basically going top down. But what else do we have? I think this decision tree Right, so that is maybe somebody have a good use case for that. I'm, I'm using it too often. That is, I think, if you have an early split, so let's say you, you really go two ways, yeah, it's ocean or air, for example, then that you go and you split at the very beginning because in a decision table you would need to maintain that ocean, 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 air, 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 air values right. very often. So if you want to split that, you could say, okay, I have a decision tree. So kind of multi-step then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. for simple. Then you don't have to right. mention ocean again. Absolutely. Then we have formulas. Formulas. Uh, um, yeah, maybe you might do you use it? So maybe you can drop some words on formulas. What we did there was that we created the formula base BF plus expression, and we wanted to calculate the loading time. So we just created also a 
DAD, what we're talking about. That's maybe something we have to mention. Every DAD you create, you get a data element in BRF plus, which you can use for all your expressions. So the, the formal term in BRF plus is data object. It's like they call it a data object then. And okay. in BF plus. So the input and the output elements are data objects. Okay. And what we did, we created an expression with the result loading time. And we just said that for each kilogram, our item has, we have 10 seconds of loading time. That is a pretty forward, pretty easy formula. But what we tested later was that you can have expressions inside expressions. For example, we used a decision table inside that formula and said, um, based on our means of transport, we have an, a multiplicator for this because one truck uh, has a higher loading platform than another. So you have uh, it takes some more seconds for each kilogram. And so you can play around with this and create pretty uh, interesting. Exactly. Expression. I think that 10 seconds is, was not fixed anymore, but the, no, the formula was kilo, also the weight even with conversion. So meanwhile, we are also smart enough to feed that correctly. So you say per 10 kilograms, it's 10 seconds. That was the first thing, right? Yes. And then even the 10 seconds was flexible. Yes. So you said right. that 10 se it's 10 seconds if it's means of transport truck. And if it's a say rail, huh, then it would be 15 seconds or, and then, but still the formula would be the same. And that's, I think, also one of the powers of BF plus. You can combine all, as far as I know, all condition types. There might be limitations on, on that one. So you could say in our example, decision tree at the entry point, and then you go into decision table, and that decision table has a formula as in, in a column or so. And what is yeah. also possible in BRF Plus is that you don't know not only have the data objects from your data access definitions, but you can also create data objects uh, kind of like dummies. For example, that multiplicator, you just mm. create a data object and then you fill it with a number, quantity, whatever you need in your case. Mm. Yeah. So that is very, very powerful. And in many cases, it's still very fast because in, I think like for decision tables, for sure, I think also for formulas, they generate ABAP coding out of that. Nothing you necessarily want to read that coding, yeah? but uh, you don't have to because it's generated at, at runtime normally. And, um, or, yeah, it's the first time it's called, it's, it's, they generate the coding, and uh, then it's very fast. So that decision tab is not kind of if, uh, it's not going, you know, loop add kind of thing, but if, 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 and then it's typically something way more efficient. Uh, like we had one customer, um, uh, one that you might use a device uh, from to listen to their podcast uh, that um, has a, a huge sets of formulas huh, in, in, in one use case and or in use case uh, a lot of uh, different um, expressions in, in a row and they and we come to to that let's say more complex bf plus stuff etc and then on and off uh, in, in testing phase uh, the, they, they had a breakdown in, in performance and that was always when it has to go to the interpreter mode which is let's say the normal abap mode with like loop add if uh, kind of uh, thing But as soon as they went back to the generated coding mode, which is a normal BF plus mode, it was, I don't know, a hundred times faster. So typically, if the data access, getting the input is not slow, uh, the BF plus piece is very, very fast. Yeah? So that is um, maybe also important to know that's a generated coding. Yeah, it can sometimes also generate syntax errors by itself. But, uh, that's uh, then, of course, was a message. Yeah. That's I great. think uh, that is... For the, yeah, for the BF Plus, that's high level now. Maybe we want to deep dive into that one. 
um, in a later episode. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it sounds like like an ex extreme powerful framework which uh, which we're using there. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> so so we have now heard how we're using a TM, how we deliver it, how the customer uh, can build their conditions based on the condition types. Is since this framework is very powerful, is also possible for a user uh, for a customer um, to create right from the straight, uh, right from the basic own condition types and use it in their own coding to um, for their applications. Absolutely yes. So there is uh, there are quite some customers I would say exactly following the pattern. So the idea is you define your own condition type because. You're a developer now, huh? and you jump into the developer shoes, custom developer shoes. You you know what is your input. So I know I want to determine something for a TRQ item, for a thread order route, for a thread order stop, etc. So I know my starting point, which is required for the condition type. Then you also define the, you already know your results. So let's say you want to determine a set field uh, based on your own logic, but you don't want to code too much. So you create a condition type, you assign your that field as a result. Yeah. So that is what you have to define. And then, of course, you assign meaningful data access definitions to that uh, input. And that, again, it depends on your use case. So pretty fast, you have your own decision, uh, sorry, condition type and assign data access definitions. Now, in your coding, the Z coding is really small. So what you have to do is you have to call that a class which is called SCMTMS, CL, cont, uh, CL underscore cont underscore OL, outer layer. Ah, okay. History also. There's no real inner layer anymore. BF plus is kind of the inner layer. Um, and uh, I think the name of the method is proc cont, process conditions, proc cont, I think. That's it. What you have to provide is the keys of the instances, so the Tor root instances. So I have 10 different threaders, so I give 10 different keys. And the name or the GUID, if you have, of the condition that you want to have. But you may want to have through that. Of course, you again need to get that condition name. You store it somewhere, you hard code it, you assign it to your customizing if you have some. Yeah? Or yeah, you get your condition ID. Not the condition type, but the real condition ID. And then you get a result, and the result structurally is something like you have the instance as a key of the thread order, then the name of the condition, and the GUID of the condition, and then the result. Result, again, can be just a field, can be a ref2 data if it's a table, or can be a kind of key value store. So if you have a structure, which has you know, loading duration and unloading duration, so it's two fields, then you have a, you will get back a struct or table per thread order and condition. You get back a table then with the name of the field, Loading duration and the value, and the name, the next field, unloading duration and the value. And then you loop about that, cross that, and then uh, you just extract the values. I think that's pretty common in, in development. I see you don't need any Z table anymore. So if later the business says, I want to, I need one more column, and that, from what I heard, it happens that requirements are changing over time. You don't have to touch any table or so. You just assign another data access definition. Perfect. Or you remove one if you don't need it anymore. Yeah? There's no, also no way of thinking about, okay, now I have the five different inputs. What do I do with partial hits? 
I mean, there is a tool that already thought about partial hits. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, that's why I think it's a smart idea. Users anyway will get used to conditions. Uh, you have all that, uh, the power of the maintenance in production environments Klaus mentioned before. Transporting is there. So honestly, from my point, I don't see why I would use a Z table. Um, okay. That depends. Of course. I don't know. Would I do that for only one column, one result? But okay, would you be sure that this will remain with one column one result, or might it be two columns as input later? So that is something you definitely can do, and it's like 50 lines of code, and um, a lot of that is like no-brainer coding. It's really, huh? I have my instance, I have the condition, I get the results, I process the results, of course. Sounds easy. Though the whole condition framework. Where it is located in which software layer? Is this in the business foundation layer? Is this in the TM layer, SMB layer, or where it's located? And if a customer wants to get some more help on this, if he wants to use it, where he can search for? Yeah. Uh, first answer, it conditions are TM layer. So that is something, It's actually it's a generic concept to combine Bob, so to say, BO modeling with Bob, with BF plus, but as I said, it, it also uh, relies on the data crawler, which is also in the TM layer. Not saying that it would make sense maybe to have another layer, but so far it's in, in our hands on, okay. on, on the good side. So it's TM. Also from namespace, SCM, TMS. Everything. Okay. Still, yeah, I mean, it's a kind of, we are on Bob, other applications are not on Bob. I think that's why it's nothing you can directly take into BF plus. Okay. Finally, that's the ultimate goal, of course, that we don't need a layer anymore, but so far it's, it's there. About uh, how-tos, and so I think what we did a lot in, in that area is uh, yeah, some documentations, of course, also about how to create your own condition type, etc. Plus, uh, we have quite some posting in the in our nice SCE community, also mentioned then in the LinkedIn uh, uh, group then. But typically, if you search for condition in the SCE community, there should be quite some hits. For example, coding on how to use your own conditions, some explanations on data crawler and how to use it. I think it's called how to use a magic, magic data crawler. Also. Exactly with that example going step by step. Um, yeah, we have that formula example, which is very nice. I still try to convince our Brazilian colleagues all to pass, uh, to pass their formula. Uh, uh, in there, so and also I can just encourage everybody maybe to share some nice things uh, they did. Aya Felipe also did quite some postings about very creative usages. I think he did even, ah, yeah, that's that was nice. Uh, he did use the conditions. Uh, what was it? I mean, you looked at it, uh, right? It was uh, he used images from an HTTP, uh, right? Uh, he, he used yeah. a side panel, right? It was a side yeah, panel for and based Inco on terms locations, I guess. Inco terms, right? I said and he showed some images um, explaining the Inco term. Used in a exactly. in a booking. I guess. Yeah, I think you you yeah. enter the Inco term. You don't know exactly what it is, maybe because you're an intern, <laughs> uh, and uh, then you get a, a picture on on a in a side panel, also technically in a side panel, which is then derived uh, with a formula kind of thing. I think Philippe also shared that on in the SC yes. uh, community right now. So other, I think that is a good place to go or ask questions there. I think many people can answer because many people have already worked. Uh, with I think there's also yeah, some some about the transport thing. I also I think we have a consulting or something about that. Is that right or oh, the, or posting or something? Mm -hmm. There's already a posting in in LinkedIn, okay. uh, but I think uh, 
Yes, uh, still there's some consulting note required. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have time yet. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I think there's, uh, that should keep you busy for a while. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. I Perfect. Think, uh, that's we learned a lot about conditions, personally. Yeah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, thanks uh, to you all. Thanks, Klaus, Emmanuel. Thanks, Bernd, for your input. And um, yeah, I'm happy to moderate the next podcast and the first fourth one. Next wow. episode of the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And cool. yeah, have a great day. Thanks for hosting Thanks us. For and uh, now start building your own condition types. Huh? Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.